Thank you for joining us for the Redemption Church podcast as we go through a series with Pastor Daniel called Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. First thing I want to do before we get into God's Word and study together is this. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm so grateful to be loved so well by a group of people, uh, i.e. Redemption Church, Um, As many of you know, we took our first sabbatical, uh, and it was three months to be refreshed, to be renewed in the Lord, uh, and to invest in time with our family and with Jesus, and just spend time with Him. We were able to travel all the way up the East Coast, never done it before, so beautiful country we have, and we actually drove all the way up to Maine, took our time there, went all the way to Acadia National Park, and then came back down. Okay? But it was great to not be rushed to not uh, do that. And um, we took about two months traveling up the East Coast. Uh, Maine came back. The trip was incredible. It was wonderful. Guys, it was so good to feel cold weather in the summertime. I'm just saying. That, that alone was refreshing for your soul, right? Uh, it was so good to spend extra time um, with our family and really... Uh, I think it was better than what we even expected. The providence of God was so good in how we had a plan. Obviously, you guys know this was a proactive sabbatical, so we had a plan in 2020 to go over to Europe, but with coronavirus, we delayed. And so uh, that was on purpose. I was, didn't want to leave in that time, not just because of corona, but because to be with you guys and what was going on. And so um, it was so cool to be like, wow. I was unexpected. I wasn't thinking about Maine and all these places we go, and God would just give us that good gift of being like, boom, this is amazing. Boom, this is incredible. Oh, I've never seen that. That's in our nation? That's what that's like? This is incredible, you know? And so uh, it was really good, not only for us, but for our kids. It was seriously, Laura and I were looking at each other so often being, just looking at each other and smiling like, can you believe this? Like, we're just here. Can you believe that we're here? It's just such a blessing. And I don't know if you ever experienced that, God's goodness and his grace to be like, man, can you believe this? That God would do this for me? That he would, that he would give this incredible gift, an incredible act of grace to refresh us and to spend time with us and have it together. And I really, truly feel like Paul when thanking you guys. Um, I'm really glad that I'm able to say this from the pulpit and not just on our one-on-one conversations. But I'm so grateful for our church. Uh, Like the end of Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20, when Paul actually thanked the people in Philippi for giving them a love offering and a gift to do the things that God had called him to do. He said, you were very generous. You were first for our king. He goes on all these verses. In verse 13 in that text, he says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And I want to make sure you guys all know that we understand it was a burden uh, for you to share in this trouble. That God had called us to prioritize this sabbatical every few years, every seven years. And that is something that we were able to do together. Because it wasn't something that we could have just so, so easily have done. And I'm so proud of all of you that stepped up uh, and be able to serve and to keep the focus Jesus and not just a person besides him, a pastor. He's the head of the church. And the sabbatical gave us this rare opportunity for people to step up and to serve and to make Jesus the focus. And I just want to publicly thank Pastor Robin Shelley. He did a great job, didn't he, guys? It was, it was amazing. I'm only up to like, I think I'm only up to like message four or five right now. Because I didn't watch any of the messages. My wife did, but I, didn't want to, I wanted to save them while I came back. And uh, it's just such a blessing to know that the Word of God was being taught all summer. Wasn't it? 
And wasn't it such a blessing to know that you could still find a place to pursue and to proclaim Jesus and to keep the vision fresh, to continually lift up the name of Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, didn't worry about you guys at all. I mean, I didn't. There was, there was no burden. There was, I, there was so much peace to know, okay, this is your church, Lord. You're in good hands. Pastor Robin has been called to this, and he's going to grow in it. And there are so many helping hands. We have just a small church, and so everyone uh, knew their place, knew their role. And it was just this freeing sense of, like, we knew that you guys would be worshiping God. We knew that Jesus is in control. We're just going to enjoy. Just sometimes even be bored. Go figure. It was amazing. And so... Seriously, we had an amazing time together, and the, and the focus was to invest in our family, to use the time to be refreshed and renewed, to proactively plan this time to trust the Lord. And I could just say this, and I want to say this um, again in the context of what we're going to be studying tonight, that God did renew and refresh our faith and our calling and what we're supposed to do. And so I thank you for your prayers, and I thank you for that. And I really do feel refreshed, renewed, strengthened, um, and excited to be back and to continue to do what God's called us to do, to be faithful to all that He has told us to do. And I've, I've learned a lot, and it's very hard to articulate. Um, and even really, forgive me if I say some of the same stories to some of you, because I don't really know what I've been said, but this uh, next few weeks is going to give me a chance to um, articulate it, not only to you in the church, but I know that many are watching online. Many of our pastors have already come back and said, share your experience. And, and, I, and I'm coaching them now to take their first sabbatical and doing things like that. Like, this is such an important thing that God did that I don't want to brush by it and rush through it. And so I thought it would be wise for us to not only hear the experience of what we had, the deep truths that God has given us, but to also do a series as we look to the Word of God and these principles so we can all learn in a series called Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. Lessons learned from a sabbatical. Uh, we want to take time to share with you what the Lord did. Both Laura and I and just what, uh, he exp- what we experienced seeking Him. And I think it's a really important thing to do something sometimes different, to not get stuck in a rut, and to understand that there is power in a testimony. It's important to understand when God does a work in your life, it's for a reason, it is for you, but it's not just for you, it's to work through you as well. And again, I go back to the Apostle Paul, how he thanked those people to give that gift and to share the burden. But then he would, also, he would also give extreme importance to share what was going on in his life with other people, to spread the gospel. Over and over and over again, if you think about his ministry, of his, his burden and how he got saved and doing ministry, he was an apostle to the Gentiles and had this great calling and task. And in Acts chapter 15, I think it's verse 27, he goes back to the Jerusalem council and he gives a report of just how the, what God did in his life and through the ministry and what he was doing. And it says they all gave glory to God. And he would do this over and over again. If you look at the epistles, he would always be with people and reporting of people and sending people here and sending people there. And in Colossians 4, 7, Paul would send Tychius to tell about his activities so they would be encouraged. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, I, I wrote this down, uh, 6 verse 21 through 22, it says this, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing. He wanted this group of people, Ephesus, where Timothy was there, where these elders, he spent the most time in this church. You could even say it was, it was a church, his home, one of his home churches, this, the base. 
He said, I'm going I'm to send this guy, Tychius, to be, our beloved brother, the faithful minister in the Lord. He's going to tell you everything. Everything about how I'm doing. Everything of what I'm doing. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your heart. Aren't you encouraged to hear how God is working in other people's lives sometimes? So this is my time. My time to share. I got the mic. I'm going to be able to share and see. And I have to take a step back and say, you know what? If Paul thought it was so important to even risk someone's life, because back then it wasn't like take an airplane and just go. It was like travel these hard streets. You can get robbed. You can get killed. You can get murdered. But it's that important that you would know what I'm doing and how I'm doing. For your encouragement, I'm going to send this guy to you. How much more from this trip should we take time to meditate, to ponder, and to understand, to share the importance of what God did in our hearts? Laura and I's heart, our family, and just some lessons learned. And so what I want to do each week is not only share some stories, my experience, some scripture, important things to match those experiences, but I also want to give you some questions. So you can draw from the lessons that I've learned and ask yourself a question to pull out that principle and apply it to your life. So it could benefit your life as well. You know, Questions are important. You see Jesus ask questions all the time. He was the, the, the master teacher, they called him, the rabbi, the greatest teacher of all, and really helped people learn by just simply asking questions, letting people ponder, letting people think. I want you to engage in these next five weeks of, of these questions and thinking through as we study the word, as you're going to hear a testimony to that word, and then how do you want to apply that in your life? And so instead of giving you message titles, the titles of my messages will be questions. And today, here's the question I want you to think about, to ponder as we go into this text of John 15. What is your measure of success? What is your measure of success? What does it look like in your life to be successful? Because whatever that is, you're going to strive for it. You're going to go after it. And the text that I want to look at is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And these are the words of Jesus that have greatly impacted my life throughout ministry and throughout the years. And he's speaking to his disciples right before the cross. As you know, this is the great discourse through John chapter 13 through 16. And he teaches and says, I'm going away and preparing a place for you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And, and he washes the disciples' feet. There's so much great content. Some good devotional reading for you this week if you want. He wanted these words to stick to their minds, almost in the sense of his will, last will and testament. And the main focus of this text is abiding. Abiding. And so let's read these words. Let's pray. Let's talk about it. And we'll start with week one. What is the measure of your success? John chapter 15. These are the words of Jesus, verses 1 through 11. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. 
and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this text. We pray, Lord, that you would give us lessons, not only from the sabbatical, but from the truth of your word, the importance of abiding and what it means for us to abide and what, how we're gauging um, success. I want to thank you so much just for the sabbatical, the gift, the grace that you gave our family in this church. Thank you for being the head of this church. Thank you for giving gifts to men that you've uh, aligned and given people uh, just incredible gifts to serve one another. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to give gifts to this church, not just gifts in the sense of us more and abound, but, Lord, that you would give gifts of people, that we would be able to love more and serve more people, that you would grow us and mature us, and just, Lord, that you would be the focus. And so we want to bear much fruit tonight in our own lives, in this church and ministry, and so help us, Lord, to learn these lessons. I thank you, God, for teaching us, for giving us the time and the space and being with us no matter what. And so we love you. We give you the time and attention you deserve. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak tonight through me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I thought about following Jesus and all the amazing places God has taken us. Uh, my story is when I was about 16, 17, I went on my first mission trip to Mexico. Following Jesus brought me to Mexico, radically changed my life. I saw people for the first time loving one another my own age, and it changed my life and made me want to go to share the love of God in more places, not just in the foreign field, but as soon as I came back home, teaching the Bible, doing Bible studies, serving at church, going here and going there. It even brought me from my hometown, Tacoma, to Olympia, another city, two different worlds, you can say. But then from there, I got this itch. I wanted to travel more. I remember taking 77 people and being the admin person for planning a trip to Peru, Lima. Robin, we may have been there at the same time. I don't know, because I don't know. It was just amazing. I went to Lima, Peru on a mission trip. I remember going to Germany on the Autobahn. I wasn't driving, but I know we were definitely going over 100 kilo or miles or something an hour. There's no speed limit. And I was thinking, man, this is incredible. Remember, Mike, when we went to Poland and served Jesus? I had to buy two suits. Well, one jacket to meet the mayor, a suit to preach because I got asked in Easter. It was crazy. I'm, I'm going to Germany. I'm going to Poland. I'm going to Peru. I remember even going and visiting the missionaries we support, the V tribe, Esteban and Tiffany, Valenzuela, and taking our family there. And because of the price tickets, the way it was, we, got, we had to fly into France and leave from London but I have my kids with me, so they got to experience even France. And it was like God multiplied those two or three days that we were there. It seemed like a whole week, even though I know that we were tired and cracked out and just couldn't, couldn't see it. But man, some of the food there, just getting a meal there and then leaving and taking my kids to see the Lord all over the world. Following Jesus has taken me a lot of places. And it's been incredible fun. I think taking um, all these trips and serving the Lord and seeing what he's done. And of course, if He's taken our family from Washington State to this city, Delray Beach. 
to start this church, to plan it, to preach the gospel. And it gave us the mission to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And I, I keep on thinking about this, the places God has brought me, because when I was in the sabbatical, I kept on thinking about God's grace as we were traveling up the East Coast and seeing all these places I'd never seen before. And I was thinking, God is just so good. He's brought me places and done things in my life that I would never imagine or ever thought as I just kept on following Him. Just thinking about good, God's goodness, how it's followed you your whole life is amazing. And of course, he hasn't just taken me to different places like countries or cities or traveling things, but he's taken me to deeper places. Has he taken you to deeper places before? Places of maturity, of growth, places where in one year you wouldn't see your stubbornness and repent, but next year you're crying a lot more or humbled a lot more. I think think about how God has used me and grown from one person that was very shy that Never wanted to speak in front of people, and now I love teaching the Bible and speaking. Or just simply the the fact that He could place love in your heart or give you joy when life isn't all that joyful. And there's a lot of pain and tragedy, but yet there's that fruit that gives you peace or self control or gentleness or whatever the fruit of the Spirit may be in Galatians chapter 5 that He's given you. God takes us and transforms us and brings us from this place to the next. The Bible says from glory to glory or from grace to grace. And as we read these words of Jesus about abiding, I just want to say I could testify to these promises that Jesus gives. He's a good God. And oftentimes we go to the God's Word and we think Scripture and we pull out one little sentence and we do a whole message. I wanted to read the whole context so you can just get the understanding of the concept that when you do have a relationship with God, you will bear fruit. It will take you some places, some uncomfortable places at times. But nonetheless, it will be good for you. His promises are true. I pray that you can testify of this. Now, abiding means to remain, to dwell, to continue in. It's a continual thing or position, posture that you have. And Jesus told us to do this with him, to remain, to continue in, to abide. Now, throughout the gospel, he would give us word pictures, illustrations to understand this important principle. It's going to be hard for me in this series because many of the things that God's taught me, I can get several passages from the word of God to testify and to speak to you. Because in John chapter 6, he would say he's the bread of life. And we all know that if you don't eat, you get not only hangry, right? But you get dead. You got to eat to survive. It's a word picture. And how often, how many times do we go? We say at least three times a day. For some of us, that's not enough. We go a little bit more because we need the nutrition. We, we want to eat. But then he, next chapter, he gives us another illustration. John chapter seven, 7, he says he's the living water. Remember that? Jesus is the living water. It's like, okay, uh, bread you eat three times a day, but if you don't drink water, like you can go without food and food for about 40 days, but if you go without water for like three days, you're done. So it's even more urgent. So he like ups the ante. He says in John that he's the light of the world. He gives all these different things, but he says, listen, okay, if you don't know nothing, you need bread and water to survive. And it's like he's trying to tell you, if you don't know nothing, you need me to survive. You need to partake and to uh, abide and remain and continue in these things and be with me to survive. He doesn't want us only to go to him for eternal life, though. He wants us to go for abundant life. 
John chapter 10, he would say, I give abundant life. So it's a, a greater life than you could even expect. So when you go to God and you get this nutrition, expect even greater results than what you would think. Like it's easier than you think and it's better than you think. He's just that good. He's the good shepherd, he says. And he doesn't want us to stop going to him. And oftentimes when we get a, a certain picture, like bread, picking it up, eating it, putting it down, or drinking, put, picking it up, putting it down, he's like, okay, I want that same spiritual truth, but I'm going to give it to you in such a way where you understand it's a remaining though. It's not I have Jesus here and I stop and then I'll come back to him when I'm weak and need some nutrition. Now he goes in John 15 and he finally sort of in the climax of his teaching says, I am a true vine and you are a branch. Rather than meals that you go to a few times a day, he wants us to continually go to him constantly, consistently, moment by moment. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branch. We bear fruit when we remain, abide in him, just like as a branch to a vine. Listen to verse 4 and 5 again. It says, abide in me and I in you. These things are connected. You look at a stump and you look at branches coming out, they're connected. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me and I in the vine. You are branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The first lesson or principle or point I want you to understand or take away from this passage is this. As we continually rem we were reminded of this on our sabbatical, just the importance that great ministry uh, flows from great intimacy. Great ministry flows from great intimacy. Now, this is sort of to my shame right now, but surprisingly, it took a lot of faith to take three months off work. I know any of you would be like, hallelujah, I'm going tomorrow. No planning. But for me, it took a lot of faith to stop working. Now, Sabbath, we did a series and we know what Sabbath is. Sabbath is where you stop work, you rest, and you delight in the grace of God. You stop work, you rest, but yet then you pursue the grace of God and you delight in the grace of God for a 24-hour period. And your delight in God's grace could look differently. My delight, I have a beautiful, amazing wife, so I delight in her. Or maybe working out delights you, or maybe uh, writing poetry or reading books. Whatever that delight and the grace that God has given, you do that and you rest in that and you don't work. Now, a sabbatical is like a Sabbath, but on steroids. Okay? Instead of a 24-hour period, it is for a certain season. We know sabbatical and they would rest the land for a whole year. There would be times when they would rest and it would be much more than just a day. It would be a week. It would be a month. For us, our sabbatical to stop work, to rest, to delight in God's grace was for three months. It was like 92 days. The only problem is with this is I really enjoy work. I think it's an amazing thing to be a pastor, and I love what I do in the job, and it's not just a job, it's a calling and a lifestyle. And so this is one of the reasons why we traveled, because our whole life was wrapped around ministry, serving what we did. And surprisingly, it took a lot of work to rest, a lot of training, a lot of prep, a lot of saving, a lot of planning for the church to get everything done that needed to be done. 
It took a lot of personal planning, a lot of personal saving, sacrifice, thinking through what would be the best place, how can we save, how can we spend, what would that look like? But this is something that I personally felt God call us to do and was led by God to do it, proactively to take a sabbatical to seek Him, to abide, to remain, to obey, and to say, I'm going to lighten God because He is first and foremost, preeminent of anything else. And so he confirmed to our leadership team a few years ago, back when Andre, God bless you, Andre, I love you if you're watching this or hearing it, Andre Amarado was serving on our board. Robin was serving on our board then. It was a planned thing. And I even got nervous and just even prayed financially that God would provide for the church, and he miraculously did. He gave the church the funds to do it, And so we decided we're going to act every seven years before we needed to take a sabbatical, we would take a sabbatical. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of people take sabbaticals, especially in ministry, and it's a bad thing because it's because of burnout. They're doing too much and their identity is in their work and all these things come up and everything just blows up. So they have to take rest. And me and the calling of serving other pastors knows, man, I'm not going to be like that. I've got to be a Christian. i just got to pursue God. It's the most important thing is to worship and to glorify Him. I, if I'm going to have a great impact in ministry, I need to have great intimacy. I need to pursue God and have faith and trust in Him. Because I believe there's nothing greater than doing what God has called you to do. And so really felt the call to take a sabbatical every seven years. And in this passage and throughout the Bible, God actually tells us the importance of obeying Him when He speaks to us, when He guides us, that we'll find favor, we'll find blessing, we'll find joy and fruit because we were made to glorify God. And oftentimes, even in ministry, we can get caught up and forget about that. Like a Martha, always, wow, that was shocking. I'm glad you're awake now, huh? I was like, I'm not even moving, but I guess God wants you to wake up. But like Martha, she, she could do a whole bunch of stuff. Now I'm going to move, so you're just expecting it, okay? Just in case. Um, but she would always be doing stuff, and, and Jesus told, like, look, look at Mary. She's just worshiping, like, first and foremost worship, and out of that worship, out of that abiding will become fruit, or out of that intimacy will create great ministry. And when we get these things twisted, it, it, it can really mess you up. Here's the words of Jesus in verse 8. He says this in this text. By this my Father is glorified. How is God glorified in your life? That you would bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now, how do you bear much fruit? We just read it. you got to abide. That includes me, even as a pastor. And it looks different because I am a pastor. But it's so important, and the principle is the same. In this passage, Jesus tells us how we can bear fruit and glorify Him is by abiding in Christ. And so He tells us great ministry will come with great intimacy, great fruit, great impact. The main focus of our lives should be abiding in Christ, which in turn brings glory to God and we bear fruit to things He's called us to do. And we want to have great fruit, don't we, in our lives? Don't we want to have great impact in this church but it must come up a place of intimacy of abiding of love and this is why our church our mission is to pursue and proclaim jesus it's not only something that i 
feel like the Lord told me that our mission should be, but he's so genius, it was an order. Not only two Ps, but an order. First you pursue, and then you proclaim. Because if you are not pursuing and passionate and seeing God work in your life, what are you actually proclaiming to people? Now it's just getting you. God bless it. <laughs> if not, we're proclaiming people to do what we're doing, but not experiencing the gospel, not experiencing the goodness of God. And we need to go to Him in His presence. And so we abide. When we abide, it helps us proclaim Him with authority. It brings us health in our life. And if we don't, this text says we do ministry in vain with no fruit. See, and that's the second thing I want you to understand from this text and what I'm learning is abiding takes time and sacrifice though. You see that. It doesn't seem very hard. Like literally, what else is a branch supposed to do? He says if it doesn't abide, it just withers away, gets chopped off, goes in the fire, it's done. You have really no purpose, no plan, no fruit, no nothing if you stay, if you don't stay connected to the true vine. But abiding is a continual thing. You have to constantly be connected. And if you aren't connected, there is no nutrition. And although abiding produces fruit, it also requires great sacrifice. And it can be hard as the Father prunes. Did, did, you, did you see it read that? It's very quick. It's very, oh, I don't want to hear that. Yes, God prunes the branch so we would bear fruit. He goes into our hearts and says, you want to repent about that yet? Oh, let's, take, let's work on this side of the branch. Let's work on this side of your life so you can be fruitful in that area. And you have to stay there and you have to be before the Lord, continually repenting, focusing on Him. But this text says it's well worth it. It's well worth your time, your sacrifice to abide in the true vine. Jesus said in verse 10 11, if you keep my commands, that if you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in His love, then these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Some translations say even complete. When you obey God, when you're serving God and you're doing these hard things. And here's the crazy thing about this whole sort of setup in this illustration. God allows you to abide or not. He allows you to abide or not. Usually branches, they ain't got no choice. But he makes it very clear that branches in this case, they can have a choice. Because he says he's the true vine, which implies there are false vines. There are things that you can attach to that aren't life-giving and aren't natural and are terrible. Sort of like my backyard. I got all, you guys like this South Florida, it's like a jungle. You got all these vines coming off the trees, connected to palm trees, up in the grass, getting mowed over, doing all this crazy stuff on the house. You got to pull it down. It goes everywhere because they were meant to flourish. They were meant to grow. They just go into the wrong spot. You were meant to grow. You were meant to flourish. But many people in humanity, they grow in the wrong spot, not abiding in the true vine. And there's no life in that. There are time wasters. There are false gods. There are things in our life that aren't fruitful. But God wants us to take the time to choose to Him, to sacrifice, to stay connected, and it is a sacrifice to your flesh. It's a sacrifice to your finances. It could be a sacrifice to even the friends and how you spend your time. And it was all of that for us in the sabbatical. 
to fight the flesh, to take the time, to spend the finances, to be away from our church family and friends, to just abide. Focus uh, for us, that looked like abiding through a sabbatical. But what does that look like for you? What, what would the sacrifice of the time or things look like for you to abide? Because I know that you want great impact in your life and you want fruit, but that's going to come through intimacy. And if you want great intimacy, you have to sacrifice. You have to give the time. Could it be waking up early in the morning to just practicing the presence of God? Could it be increasing in your giving and growing in generosity or putting God first with your finances? What about just putting God first in your relationships? Certain friends you hang out with? Or maybe making a commitment to be in God's Word and in fellowship weekly and regularly? What does it look like to abide? How will you choose to obey God's commands and express your love towards Him with your time and with your life? These are important questions to ask yourself. For me, it wasn't just stopping about work and having a vacation. It was a three-month time to take time to set new habits, to grow more. Now, some of you may or may not know this. This is a cell phone. That's right. It's not a smartphone. It's called a life phone. Some people call it a dumb phone because it literally is so stupid, it doesn't even have a color screen and you just call and text people on it. Weird, I know. It's like a real phone. And a month before I left the sabbatical, I got it. I got off social media. I knew I was already addicted. No shame in my game, man. It's better to walk in light, see in the light. I needed some help. I needed some new habits because you know what? I was reading articles about the process of a sabbatical and replenishing your adrenaline glands and making sure you do the time, the exercise, the restraint. There are physiological things about taking a sabbatical every seven years as well. So I was reading all this stuff, and as I was reading this, there was this other thing I was reading. It was talking about how humans touch their phones thousands of times per day. Did you know that? Do you do that? Now listen, I'm not judging you. I did the same thing. And the, the reality is, is I touch my phone, touch my phone, whether it be texting people, looking up a verse, watching YouTube, whatever it may be. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to abide in Christ, you know what I would love to do? You know how naturally you touch your phone? I would like to naturally be with God like that. You know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to get rid of this addiction. I'm going to have to set my cell phone aside Ain't nothing wrong with the cell phone. I just had to do it. And I got another one so I wouldn't touch it. I purposely had to practice something that Pastor Robin Shelley loves to talk about. Silence and solitude. <laughs> I wasn't going to be around any of y'all. This is the first time I taught in over three months on a Sunday. Feels a little weird. I may go a little long. I don't know. Got to work out the timing, you know? Um, but listen... I had to make those things that sacrifice because I knew, you know what, I want to pray instead of touching my phone. And instead of going to something for entertainment to get a hit of dopamine, I'm going to read the Bible again. And it was amazing to be able to pick up my Bible over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Reading it, something I'd never done chronologically, journaling the whole Bible in 90 days. Because I didn't want to just get rid of something and say, oh, look at that task. 
the reason I was getting rid of that was to pick up something else and to abide and to get fed off of God's word and to build a new habit and to sacrifice because it was about abiding, using that time that God gave us as a gift to invest and worship him with it. And this decision to take a sabbatical, it would take personal time, sacrifice, blocks of being bored, being away and being lonely from friends, wanting to do something you couldn't do. But man, I'm so glad we did it. I'm so glad it proactively would force us to just continue to go to Christ and abide and to rest in Him. God used the little faith that I had with a sabbatical of taking it and bearing much fruit. And the last thing I want to highlight to you for tonight in this passage is this. What we did was not normal to the world. As I think about a sabbatical and resting and abiding and investment, and even this passage in this text of what Jesus is speaking to disciples, I noticed it wasn't a normal thing. Because the first few days, even, traveling, we'd be in a little shop. Oh, where are you from? Okay, blah, blah. Where are you going? Well, first you're like, we're going to Maine. You know, we're excited. We're family vacation. Oh, what are you doing from Maine? How long are you going to take? Well, no, we won't be there for a month. Oh, for a whole month. Wow, you're taking, that's amazing. Oh, oh, good for you. What are you doing? Huh? And all these questions start flooding in. And people look like you're crazy if you just want to take some time with your family. You ever notice that? They just, they, they were in, the response was disbelief. So I literally, after two or three times of going in little shops, I was like, I ain't telling people I'm going to Maine anymore. I'm not telling them I'm a pastor. I'm not telling them I'm on sabbatical. Because they were just, they could not, they, what do you mean you're just going like, you're just going? And like taking like all summer? Yeah, just, wow, must be nice. Good for you, right? But you know what's weird? Is I found that same response sometimes to Christians before I left. Pastor friends, buddies, whoever, they were dumbfounded. Wait, why are you taking a sabbatical? Like, you're not burnt out. Well, no, I know. But like, well, why, then why are you going? Like, that's, dude, three months? Isn't he going to survive? Well, isn't Christ the head of church? And, you know, he told, thought me we should do this, and we have other people lined. Wow, that, they were just dumbfounded. And you know what I found out? That's a common response, especially in America, because as I'm also doing this research and studying sabbaticals and rest and vacation, do you know that most people in America have weeks upon weeks of vacation that they never use? It just goes to waste. Because we're very uncomfortable doing nothing. And the world hates it. And your flesh hates it. We're so used to doing, doing, doing that our culture is weird when we just stop and rest, even for one 24-hour period. To say, man, I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm just going to be with Jesus, sleep in, have a great breakfast with my family, go to church, worship Him, enjoy some extra fellowship, maybe have a little lunch. Like, People are, you, you, you just stop? You just, one day, you, yeah, we just stop. Remember, the sabbatical is just a Sabbath on steroids. These are principles that we see in the Bible. The world says, do more, try harder. That's how you'll find your favor and be approved. But the gospel says you can't do anything to earn favor. You need to receive. You need to rest in the work that God has done. And the world rewards people for doing, not receiving. 
But yet Jesus in this whole passage, he says, you will be blessed and rewarded when you receive the grace of God. The branch is not just to rest in, the branch is just to rest in the vine. The work of the branch is literally just to receive. That's all a branch could do is just receive. And that is so hard. It was hard to receive just love and grace from you guys and just do nothing and being like, I'm getting paid this month. What did I do? Prayed? Read the Bible more? Had fun and went out to dinner with my family? And I was thinking about this principle because Jesus addressed it in Mark chapter 2, other places in Luke and the Gospels. But this reference I have, he says, speaking about the Sabbath, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, he was speaking to Pharisees and the Pharisees made things all about rules, all about doing, just as the world does. Because our flesh loves that. Doing things are in favor with God. But Jesus wanted them to know that the Sabbath wasn't about following certain rules, but delighting in Him. He's the Lord of the Sabbath, enjoying grace. You see, your Sabbath could look differently from my Sabbath. My Sabbath, I usually mow my lawn. And you may hate that. But I really like being able to zone out, cut some grass, and be like, that looks pretty. Yay. Just for me, it's relaxing. But for you, other things may be relaxing. And God gives us that grace in the Sabbath to say, hey, delight in what pleases you, replenishes you, fills you up that's not work. God gave us the Sabbath as a gift to receive so much so he calls that day holy. That he'll do more spiritually in one day than you can do in six days. He will actually double the work that you do not do as you rest in him because he is the one that is the sustainer and the provider as we abide, we don't, even, we don't earn love, we just receive it. We rely on His faithfulness and His steadfast love. And that's why the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. We don't do a whole bunch of rules. It's not a legalistic thing. I think that following the Sabbath is not necessarily... If you don't take a Sabbath, you're not in sin. I think you're just stupid. I mean, it sounds really dumb, but God gave you a lot of gifts, and if you don't want to receive it, Okay, but I want you to understand when you don't follow God because he said in his com- if you follow my commands and the things I gave you as gifts to delight in the grace, great. There's a lot of Christians that are not walking in God's grace and they're still saved. But man, they're working hard and it's a burden. It's not very wise. It's stupid. It's stupid not to rely on God's grace. When that's the role and the position He gave us, it's not normal to the world, it's not normal to your flesh, but it is biblical. To be able to abide and to not go off the flesh or world standards, but it's so freeing to our spirit to rely on God. To be dependent on Him and His grace. And you may see, you see, you you never, you'll never be able to take a sabbatical like us. At least I don't think. But the point wasn't the sabbatical, it was the abiding. And the principle wasn't the three months, it was how do you receive the grace of God? What is he calling you to do? How do you rest in him? The Bible says as you receive his grace and abide in him, you'll be fruitful. 
Another passage of Scripture that mentions this, of how God uses this resting and abiding in Him to transform your life is 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image, the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This whole principle, concept, biblical truth, scripture, passage, comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. As you look to Him and abide in Him, you become like Him. Just as if you look to a different branch or an idol, Psalm 115.8 says, Psalm 135.18 says, you become what you worship. So you need to watch what you're worshiping. You need to watch what you're receiving. You need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and fight a good warfare and wage a good fight because it's important not to be normal in the Christian walk, but to be dependent on God, which is biblical. To receive the grace that He has given us and to walk in the finished work. To enjoy His gifts, His love, His grace. And the Bible says by that grace, you are transformed. Not by trying harder and doing better. And when we do, we bear much fruit, the Bible says. And so I just had to accept, this isn't normal. I'm living a dream. This is amazing. And you know what's amazing about that? Some joy comes in your life when you receive just what God has for you. Not that you try to receive what other people have or what other people put on your life, but when God's like, hey, I just want you to be this amazing mom to your children or a grandma and just pray for them, give them kids some gifts and love and just enjoy life. You can say, well, God, well, what about being on the mission field and I want to travel and do this? Haven't called you to. This is what I called you to. You could just find freedom and joy and just the calling God's called you to with the gifts he's given you and the time and the ability and the capacity and all those things. And so I have this question for you to ponder and to think about and to walk away with. Is abiding your success? What is your measure of success? Is it looking to Jesus? Do you really believe abiding in Jesus will give you joy? Are you resting in his love and the grace you received? We see the biblical concept here in this passage. But do you believe that great intimacy produces great impact? Are you willing to give the time, the sacrifice to abide in Christ? And if so, what does that look like for you? Pray about these things. Apply these things. It's okay not to be normal, to be dependent upon God and whatever he directs you to do for you to do it and to rest in his work and the gospel. So these are some lessons I've learned from our sabbatical experience that the measure of our success is just simply abiding in Jesus. And I'm so glad to be back to just continue to pursue him and out of that overflow to proclaim him. And I pray you will learn these lessons as well. And so next week, we'll learn another important lesson that God showed me. But now, let's just respond. Take some time to enjoy the presence of God through communion. For Jesus died for our sin that we can have this abiding relationship. Sin separated us. But by grace, we are saved through faith. And we can rest in that. We don't have to put on a show or even feel the feelings to sing. We can just enjoy His presence and know His presence is with us. 
And by His presence, there is fullness of joy, the Bible says. And so let's pray and let's respond. And let's worship God through communion. Lord, we thank You so much for this time. Thank You, Lord, for this just important lesson in this passage of Scripture. Pray, God, that as we sing a song and take communion and reflect, Lord, that You would help us, guide us, help us, Lord, to continue to worship You by listening. What have You called us to do? We thank You, God, so much for Your grace. Teach us what it means to abide in You. Help us to enjoy the grace of God in our lives. and Help us to go to You. Be the King of our heart. Be the Lord of our lives. Be our true vine that we go to. May we be satisfied in You, O God, and we praise Your name. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.